Welcome to Resilience Radio, crushing the tough stuff with Kim Addis. Brought to you by Frame of Mind Coaching, transforming your world. So what I love most about the Frame of Mind Coaching system is that um, it really goes deep and it gets to the crux of uh, your belief system and things that might be holding you back from taking action or moving forward. So I came to Frame of Mind Coaching about five years ago and I would have to say that the community of people that I am now involved with is the most invaluable piece of the entire experience. Frame of Mind Coaching has changed my life in every facet. My personal life with my kids, with my wife, my marriage has exponentially changed. Frame of Mind Coaching was such a transformational experience. That's definitely one word I would describe it as. And now, here's your host and the founder of Frame of Mind Coaching, Kim Addis. Welcome. This is Kim Addis from Frame of Mind Coaching, and I am the host of Resilience Radio, where my guests are professionals, entrepreneurs, and CEOs who are experts at crushing the tough stuff. Today, my guest is Raymond Wally. Raymond, are you there? I'm here. So my understanding is that you're this guy who just starts companies. That's what you do. Yep, that's, uh, that's the way I like to sum it up. I start companies. What does that mean exactly? <laughs> so, uh, sh- short version is it's uh, a company that I started called The World is Global. It allows me to kind of explore and go down any rabbit hole I want. Uh, it allows my entrepreneurial uh, ADD tendencies to <laughs> go wild. So, I created this this system uh, where it's not as crazy, but it's a little more systemized. But I get to explore any concept or uh, uh, venture or business idea I have in a little more pragmatic way and launch it. So our goal is to, uh, you know, I think build 20 companies and a hundred million in revenue and have fun doing it. So what kind of companies are interesting to you and are you just launching brand new companies or are you buying existing companies and growing them? So right now our focus is on what I call venture creation. Um, so these are brand new companies. Some of them are new concepts. Some of them are old concepts. Some are some are new takes on old concepts, and it ranges from online printing to fashion to art to some tech businesses that we're we're starting, um, staffing, marketing. Uh, it's runs the gamut and it, it's, uh, it's challenging yet exciting at the same time for me personally. So how does it work? Like how does one guy run 20 different companies? Do you partner with people? Do you get them to lead? Are you just the investor? How does it work? Yes. Uh, so the main vision is I am the ideator, um, the person with the vision and the concept. We start very lean, and as business grows, uh, gets traction and starts generating revenue, we put somebody in to run it. And they are, you know, we leverage partnerships very differently for each business, depending on who we're, work with, who we're working with and how we're working. It could be somebody's a full partner, somebody's a managing partner where they're getting a base and a take of the pie. So that's all part of, depending on which business we're launching and how we're launching it, um, all part and parcel of uh, the concept. I, over my years of experience, have figured out I enjoy creating. Um, 
I do not enjoy as much managing the day-to-day. Um, so that's kind of where I'd like to sit. It took me a long time to kind of figure that out. Okay. But since putting it together, I'm kind of having fun with it. So a few questions. Like, how do you come up with your ideas? Like, are you just kind of dream them up while you're sleeping? How does that happen? You know what? I I just think it's the lens that I look at the world at. Uh, I've always been very entrepreneurial, and I think most entrepreneurs see opportunity almost everywhere, and sometimes to their detriment. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> so it it it's, uh, it could be a good thing and a bad thing. But but you know, a concept takes a while. So I'll have a few ideas. I write them down. I'll explore them. I'll research them. I'll go down that rabbit hole. Um, and as one seems a little bit more interesting, a little bit more viable uh, and feasible, we'll do a little bit more work and we'll say, okay, let's prototype it. Let's launch it um, into the into the world and see what kind of traction we get, what kind of feedback we get, uh, make small improvements, small iterations, um, or kill it. If it's not working, we're, we're more than okay with, with killing a, a concept. So have you killed concepts? Have you kind of just tried it and said, oh, this isn't working, forget it? So there's probably one concept that's it's uh, it's we're probably gonna kill. <laughs> it's a take okay. on the it's a niche in the printing industry that um, maybe is too too niche. Okay. And not enough ROI versus the time and effort we have to to spend in it. Um, it was it doesn't take away from the our main online printing business. Uh, it was kind of kind of offshoot. Um, but mm, it's not panning out the way that we had hoped. So we have a lot of entrepreneurs who listen to this podcast and a lot of people who want to be starting businesses. And, you know, one of the questions that I have is a lot of people are afraid to start one business. You're starting 20. (laughs) How do you know when an idea is a good one and you should keep investing in it? And how do you know when it's time to call it a day? Like, what are the the determining factors and how much should you be investing? Like, is there a dollar figure? Are there signposts? Like, what is the... How do you assess that? Well, it's definitely, a, I think, a combination of art and, and uh, science, let's say. And I, I think we need to preface this with that. I just didn't start, uh, you know, open my doors and say I'm going to start 20 companies. I think I, I put in 16 years of of uh, hard work and experience to get the opportunity or the privilege, let's say, uh, and the learnings to say, okay, you know what, I'm going to, uh, I put in my work, I'm going to go try something fun now. Um, not to say that the other business were fun, it was, it was a fun and, and learn real uh, learning experience. But uh, to circle back, sorry, what was the question again? How do you make a decision about whether or not to keep investing in a company or call it a day? Is there a dollar figure? Is there, uh, are, are there signs along the way? Is there a scientific formula that, you know, like what, what, how do you make those decisions? I think a lot of that uh, is a combination. So a lot of times the market will tell you uh, if you're not, you know, generating customers or an ROI and you don't see a clear path to doing that. Yeah, as you, you govern from the gut in that sense that you'll say, okay, uh, if I put more money in, it'll open up these opportunities and that's what I need to get over the hump. Or you will say, you know what, this is, even if I put more money into this, 
the product or the business concept originally isn't uh, strong enough to sustain. There's a kind of viability and a feasibility test that that's always going on in my, my brain, I guess most entrepreneurs' brains, or there should be, where you can really make a business out of anything if you, if you want to. You know, if you want to sell pencils, you could. Um, but is the effort put in uh, worth it? Is the ROI uh, as far as financial ROI worth it. And I mean, emotional ROI, are you enjoying it? Does it, you know, does it make you happy or is it just, do you dread going to work or, or opening up your emails when you, when you, you know, dealing with that specific business? Okay. So your feasibility is, is it bringing in any money? Am I having fun? And is the time worth it? Those are your three, those are your three areas. Those are your three kind of criteria points. Yes. Okay, a, got it. On a basic level, yes. And I'm sure there's some, and, some, some gut instinct that's that's in there. That Okay, and let's talk about ROI for a minute. Is there a certain return on your investment that is acceptable to you, below which you're, you're like, okay, I'm done? Uh, no, I haven't got that scientific with it um, as far as a certain percentage or, or ROI. I think profitability or break-even is always the first goal with all of these ventures or uh-huh. any business. If you're starting one or you're starting 20, uh, I think uh, break-even is your first goal. And from there on, a path to grow or a path to develop these businesses. Interesting. Okay. So you're launching a business. Is there a very specific marketing strategy that you use every time that's consistent or is it different with for every business? Like, do you have a formula for that? Yes. So we, I actually spent, uh, just actually finished up something that I call the marketing seven and I kind of finished, split that into seven kind of categories, uh, that we're hoping would be a formula for each business. Now, not not every category like SEO or uh, guerrilla slash experiential marketing applies to every business, but it is kind of a, a checklist that we can go through to, okay, say, okay, this, we're launching this business. Let's say it's a staffing business. We need to rank in search engine optimization. Let's, this is, this, this is what we're doing, uh, steps one to 10. And then now we look at, okay, what is our traditional advertising looking at, looking like if that's too costly, What's our next option? Is it uh, our social media and Facebook advertising? We invest in that. So there's kind of seven key categories that we we um, siloed or, or okay. separated uh, marketing. So there is a distinct strategy. I, I'm sure a lot of people would love to hear the details. Maybe we can get that from you later and sure. share that in our notes. Um uh, let's go back. I, I'm interested in investment dollars. So 20 different businesses. You talked about starting off lean. What, what, what so, does lean mean? Does lean mean <laughs> low staff? Does lean mean, okay, I'm only investing $100,000? Or does it mean, no, 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 that's way too much? Like, what's, is there a number? Is there, like, how does that work? Yes. So it's, it's, Let's clarify. It's not all 20 at one time. I, think I understand. We're up to four or five, and some of them are, I call it planting seeds. Okay. So you're, we're starting them up, we're planting seeds, we're prototyping, um, and kind of watering the ones that, that need attention or that are that are growing um, or have the most potential. And, and there's some, some, some businesses you hit a roadblock and you have to come back to it. Um, so we do that. Uh, dollar value, you know, it's anywhere. I think, I think we've earmarked a hundred to $200,000 just to start. Okay. Um, and then grow it from there as we okay. see 
Okay. So, and then one of the things you said is, and then we find up a managing partner or somebody who's going to run with it. You're the ideation guy and then you're partnering with someone. How do you find your partners? How do you know they're good people? How do you know you can trust them? Yes. So that's, that is probably the, one of the trickiest, uh, elements of this because I am the ideator and I don't want to be running 20 businesses because you just, I don't think anybody can, it's not efficient. You have to, you know, put your ear to the ground and I've created a little bit of a, I'm looking for, uh, what I call entrepreneurial types that are not necessarily entrepreneurs, but you know, could work well within a entrepreneurial company or a startup type company. And, uh, it's sometimes it's an MBA. Sometimes it's, uh, somebody who is, uh, you know, just a keen attention, has a keen eye for attention to details. And, and how do you find them? Uh, you reach out to your network, you, you know, post on LinkedIn, you ask, <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, how, how do you screen them? Like, is there an interview technique that you used? Is there a there is, process? There is. There is. So I, I, I systemize that as well, as much as you can, <laughs> as much as you can systemize something like that. So it's a, it's a, it's a uh, kind of an interview question, some case studies, um, kind of scenario questions, just to see what somebody's thinking process is like or what somebody's strategy uh, thought process is like. What is your most powerful interview question that gives you the most, let's say the one that says yes or no right away? Um, <laughs> I don't think it's, it's that, but if you fail it, it's, there's, uh, there's one question I ask about uh, wedding uh, planning as far as alcohol consumption. So you have a wedding with 250 couples attending what, uh, how much alcohol, how many bottles of wine would you buy? How many cases of beer? How many hard liquor would you buy? And your reasoning for, for each. And wow. you could just, so you're looking for specific numbers. Yeah, I'm looking for numbers, but I'm more interested in the ration, the rationale behind it. Uh -huh. So how do you fail that question? You, you just, you say, I want, you know, you buy 25,000 you're just way off your logic. The logic is not there. Let's say, you know, 250, your attention to detail is not there either. So let's say you have 250 couples, that's 500 people. If you have 10 people per table or eight people per table, that's 50, 50 tables. Did I do that right? Um, so you would need two bottles per wine per table. That's the kind of, kind of just streamline logic that you're looking for. I see. Um, Interesting. And, and if you don't get that, then, you know, you're probably a, not going to get the rest of it. Right. And, but what if you have, you know, let's say an Italian person who's answering it or a Jewish person who's answering it where, you know, the cultural norm is to go over and above the call of duty when it comes to al alcohol yeah. at a wedding. So do you take that, do you factor that into your formula? Yeah, well, that's, that, it's, it's, uh, it's not just numbers they're putting down. They're putting down the numbers and their explanation. They'll, or they will, and at the bottom, they will ask their questions. So these are the variables that I would consider. And oh, so is this done by writing? Do they fill yes. out a form? Yep. Yeah. It's not, it's, it's, it's a written, it's a written answer. Yeah. Wow. So is, for... these are, sorry, these are the screening questions. <laughs> 
That's very interesting. I've never heard of such a question ever. I've heard so many different interview questions. I've never heard of this one. It's really, okay. really interesting. Uh, well, I find, it, I find it gives me really good insight. And then there's some people who are just lazy and won't answer it. And that's kind of your tell or will answer it very lazily. Uh, you know, I think somebody had done it. Somebody had said, uh, well, I wouldn't buy any alcohol because alcohol is drinking is bad for you. <laughs> you know so, what my my uh, thought was when you asked the question? Well, you hire a caterer and they'll tell you how much you need. <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know, if you trust your caterer, you go with that plan. There you go. Right? Well, you, you are also an entrepreneur, right? If I'm yes. not mistaken. There you go. Yes. That's a very entrepreneurial answer. You would... <laughs> Uh, and again, that, that was interesting. Uh, my initial reaction is you want me to figure that out? Don't you hire people for that? Um, a- a- anyways, okay, let's let's keep going. I asked you to fill out uh, a bit of an assessment before we hopped onto this call so that I could learn a little bit about you. And you answered some interesting questions of your own. So one of the questions was, how would you rate your overall happiness? You gave me an eight, which is pretty happy. And then I asked about your stress and you gave me a four, which is okay, totally reasonable. Uh, the next question was, how would you rate your level of peacefulness? And he gave me a five. So I don't know. That's kind of low for a happy guy. Um, Tell me a little bit about that. Contradiction. Yeah, sure. Well, you know, it's, it's kind of a, it's an open question. So I'm happy. I love, I love what I do. I love my life. I love my family. I think everything is great. Um, Peaceful is kind of, you know, it could be open. I find I personally struggle sometimes with being present. Um, it's something that I, I constantly work on and I'm trying to set up rules with what I call a kind of life work balance, trying to put life first sometimes. Um, and that need sometimes to feel like you're always working or not physically working. As I say sometimes that I'm not a workaholic. I may be a thinkaholic. There's uh-huh. <laughs> something that, that always has to be thought out or done and uh, shutting off is not always the easiest. So I think that's uh, an area that I'm trying to work on. Uh, as so far as... your, your thinkaholicism uh, mm-hmm. creates a lack of peace? Uh, I believe so. If I were to dissect it, maybe, yeah. Interesting. Question for you. Do you journal? I do not know. Okay, so I'm a coach, but I would recommend that if you put your thoughts down in writing, it would create a lot of space for you uh, so that you're not thinking things over and over and over again. And I bet you that your peacefulness would increase once you put some of those thoughts down so that you feel safe in going back to them afterwards. Okay. Interesting idea. Yeah, no, there's somewhere around here, around this office, there's a five-minute journal that's lying around. Yeah, or you could journal online and uh, try that as well. And if you don't know what to journal, uh, we could help you with that too. Uh, But let me ask you a question. What's the most challenging thing you're working on in your life right now? Uh, Are we talking... Most challenging, uh, are we talking business and life? I think right now, if we're, if we're talking just in general, it would probably yeah. be life work balance and being present. So those are probably the two, um, balancing work ambition with, you know, sometimes just shutting off and sitting there and watching your daughter play soccer. So how does it, how does it affect you? Like when she's playing soccer, you're not really paying attention. You're there in body, but not in spirit. Uh, I'm. 
Well, no, it's I'm there now. I'm done a, because of I'm conscious of it. I've done a better job of being present, but I have to like, hey, put my phone away. I'm not touching it for the next 45 minutes. And then you can get a little bit jittery that, hey, you're not touching your you're not looking at your emails for the next 45 minutes. Uh, so that takes a conscious effort. Uh huh. So it's up. like a muscle you're building. Yeah. So, yeah, it's very good. Yeah. It's a disciplined muscle that needs to be to be built, I, I guess. You mentioned before that you had ADD. Is that a real thing or is that just uh, an entrepreneurial thing? I think I probably have the entrepreneurial version of that. So uh-huh. I do. But to be honest, I do have a hard time sometimes focusing on one thing. So I'm a very, you know, right now I have 52 tabs open on my browser. I'll jump back and forth all the time. Um, but I think that's uh, a lot of entrepreneurs that I know are, are very similar in that sort of mindset. Uh-huh. Interesting. Okay. So one last question for you. You have a coach on the line. Is there a question that you have for this particular coach? What would be your best, uh, outside of journaling, your best method or uh, suggestion to deal with stressful situations? Well, it's very interesting, you know, let's go back to the whole work-life balance thing, right? Like, and I've said this on other podcasts a million times, a lot of people are seeking balance and I don't really know that that's what they're seeking. You know, when you think of uh, going to a park and you look at a playground and you think of a seesaw, what happens when things are in perfect balance? They're still. Exactly. Nothing happens. And I don't know, for an entrepreneur who has a lot going on in his head, do you want things to never happen? No, you like the ups and downs. You like, you know, what you want is to be engaged. You want to be passionate. You want to, you want to experience the highs and lows of life. You don't, you know, maybe you want moments of stillness, but you don't want a lifetime of balance. Does that make sense? And so, and so I don't encourage people to go for balance. I encourage people to go for engagement. And so when you say I'm engaged in my business, that's great, except that that sometimes takes me away from being engaged with my family. Well, that's interesting, right? And so is that a stressful situation? How does it become stressful? What is really the cause of stress? And what I've discovered, you know, I've coached many, you know, hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of people is that stress is really uh, an experience that happens when the mind plays plays tricks with you, when you think things should be different from the way they are, when you think that you should be further ahead or that you should be making more money or that, you know, your partner should be behaving differently or that, you know, the world as it looks right now isn't quite as you want it to be. And that's what creates stress. It's a trick of the mind. And when you can understand where stress actually comes from, then it's immediately easier to lower your stress levels by just being okay with the way things are and looking forward to the way you want them to be rather than being completely dissatisfied with the way things are. So stress comes from dissatisfaction, right? Is that a terrible thing to be dissatisfied? No. As long as you leverage that dissatisfaction and use it to create a plan, to move forward, to imagine where you would rather be rather than to mull over where you currently are. Does that make Mm -hmm. sense? It does. Yeah, absolutely. And so when we think about journaling, journaling allows you to uh, literally put down your stress. In other words, write write it out. I I have a, a recommendation that I give to people in terms of how to journal. And one of the recommendations is dump, dump, and then dump the dump. And what does that mean? When something's stressing you out, write it out. And then when you think you're done, keep going, keep dumping it out. 
right? Mm -hmm. What's bothering you, where it comes from, why it's bothering you, and um, how maybe this has happened to you in the past in another incarnation. And then once you're done dumping it out, then you want to literally write, okay, it's time to turn myself around and say, okay, so how am I going to deal with this? Or what am I going to focus on now? Or what am I going to think about to feel a little bit better about this situation? And so it's an active process of creating uh, you call it a discipline, a discipline to pivot towards what you want rather than on the thing that's troubling you. Very powerful exercise. Great. Yeah. I'm going to look it up and, (laughs) and invest in a journal. Well, you can invest in a journal. One of the things you might be interested in is uh, something called Journal Engine. And Journal Engine is a program where you can journal privately and they they give you questions uh, once every three days to think about, and that gives you some guidance in your journaling. Because a lot of people come to their journaling journal and they say, I don't know what to write about. And the question gets your mind flowing. Not that it seems like you need help in that d- direction, but it may give you a little bit of focus, and that might help you out as well. Excellent. I'll take. Is that a, a book or an app? It's, a, it's an online program, journalengine.com. I will check that out for sure. Yeah. Wow. I am. Well, so it's your birthday today. Any special things you're going to do to celebrate? Uh, I think the family's coming over. We're having dinner. Uh, I cut cake with my my girls and uh, maybe have a uh, a beverage, a libation later in the evening. Awesome. Now, is there anything special you <laughs> want to experience or achieve, or a goal that you have for this year? Um, for the remaining of the year, remainder of the year? No, for your birthday year. Oh, for my birthday year. (laughs) You know, every Uh, year you think, okay, I'm this old and here's what I want to see happen for this year. Not specifically. No, I think I'm very goal driven enough in my day to day. Okay. Uh, Just just a simple celebration. Sometimes just you need to cut cake and, and be merry for no, for no particular uh, reason or, or cause. I'm all for that. I'm all for that. Well, Raymond, thank you so much for spending this time for, with me and a happy, happy birthday to you. And, uh, and if you do have any notes on more interview questions or any of your systems, we'd be happy to share that with our audience. I will do. Thank you, Kim. Thanks so much. So the journaling component of this whole journey has just been paramount. It has allowed me as a client to dump everything that was in my head. It has resonated with me extremely well, and I find this to be a model that is so applicable to so many different people. It really gets to the core of things that that might be holding you back. So for me, that's been one of the most profound things uh, and learnings about frame of mind coaching. And my coach really showed me my potential. And, you know, with the journaling in combination with, you know, building this extraordinary relationship, I realized what I have to offer the world. And um, I loved it so much that I'm trying to become a coach myself. You've been listening to Resilience Radio, Crushing the Tough Stuff with Kim Addis. For more information about Frame of Mind Coaching, visit frameofmindcoaching.com.